Hi, Sarah. It's so fun to be chatting with you for this bonus episode. I'm really excited. It's funny to get started because we don't really know where we're going to even share this yet. So we're like, what should our intro be? How are we going about this? But we just wanted to have this conversation that we've been kind of having privately publicly. And I'm excited. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if you have memories of this, but like when I was in middle school or high school, like you maybe did some sort of a project with a friend and you have to present it to the class. And then right before you're like, wait, who's starting? Like, are you starting? Am I starting? (laughs) And you realize that all of this fun that you've been having on the project, now you actually have to structure in some way. Uh, That's sort of how the last few minutes have felt, but I'm happy to be here. And like you said, really excited to share this conversation from offline maybe out into the world in a different way. Yeah. So if you're listening to this from my end, like you subscribe to the Fiction Matters newsletter or you listen to novel pairings and you're not familiar with Allie's work, Allie Hofkosik, she hosts the SSR podcast, which I've gotten to be on twice. Yes. And my novel pairings co-host Chelsea has been on twice as well, where Allie kind of explores and unpacks popular or not sometimes less popular, but like middle school hits. Yeah. It ranges. Yeah. And approaches them with like a contemporary lens. I actually feel like it's very much in line with what we do on novel pairings where we, our tagline is like classic books, modern readers. So we think about these older books from the lens of a modern reader's perspective. You think about childhood favorites, kid lit, middle grade books from the lens of an adult reader. So that's sort of like reframing how we think about these books that have been around is something we both are really passionate about. And then Allie also just started a Substack, And I always like to celebrate when anyone starts a Substack because it's such a fun space on the internet. I don't know why it took me so long. I'm having the best time. Isn't it the best? It's so fun. I feel like I am just overflowing with ideas about things to cover. And it's it's not specifically tied to SSR and books, which has been kind of fun because I feel like I'm figuring out what I want to discover and what I want to explore as part of it. But your newsletter has been a huge inspiration. And it is just so fun to see like the overlap in our listeners. If you are coming to this bonus episode more from my side, from the SSR community, you probably already know who Sarah is. Sarah was one of my first follows when I got into the bookstagram world and has been something of like, I would say like a role model for me in this space. Ever since I started, (laughs) you might have heard of her podcast with her co-host, Chelsea, Novel Pairings. And then you better be following her over on Fiction Matters if you aren't already. Her content is great. And I just feel really grateful to have this time with you because I feel like I just need a little advice. Well, and this is kind of full circle because when I quit teaching, I approached you for advice on how do I start freelancing, which I didn't really even end up doing, but talking to you about it was so helpful. And then like, how do I like just shift my my mindset and my economics <laughs> so that this content creation freelancing space becomes my full-time gig when I'm used to something that was just like, when you're a teacher, like you're a teacher. You're not like balancing them. Well, you are balancing a million things, but all within the confines right. of the school. And so now I'm really happy that I get to offer you any advice or at least like commiserating. <laughs> yes, the tables have turned. And it's very rare, I think, 
like, and, and listeners, I hope you'll indulge us as we do some like serious behind the scenes, maybe inside baseball kind of stuff, because something that I realized as I prepare to go on what I'm calling a podcast maternity leave, because I am having a baby in January and I am a full-time freelancer, which means I do like 20 different jobs and all kinds of different combinations. And I don't have a traditional maternity leave structure. I teach, I work for clients. I do my podcast. I'm writing a book, like all of these different things and all the pieces come together in different ways, literally depending on the day. So I feel like for each one of my roles, I'm having to figure out what some version of a maternity leave is going to look like. And it's very hard to find people who can relate to sort of how all of those pieces come together, even on a quote normal day. And now as I approach this transition in my life, not just managing the leave itself, but then figuring out how to juggle new motherhood with content creation, with podcasting, with client work, with reading, and like trying to maintain my own reading life, it just feels really nice to know that there are people like you. And I know your co-host Chelsea is also in the same boat, like who have already started to navigate this world. And um, yeah, so I've sent Sarah a couple of frantic messages over the last couple of weeks where I've been like, what do I do? What do I do to get ready for maternity leave? Like how long should I take? So we just thought it'd be interesting to take you all behind the scenes because I get so many questions from my listeners about what it actually means to create a podcast, what it really means to do all of this stuff full-time. And uh, yeah, I just was looking forward to picking Sarah's brain a little bit. Yeah, it is. It's so, it's so hard. And I, I think that one thing that to me, it feels like these things don't need to be said, but I think we still exist in the plane where they do need to be said. It's just that talking about the hardships of being a content creator and a freelancer And balancing that with maternity leave is not to suggest that like, that's the hardest position to be in, right? Like, right. There's such privilege in it too. So much privilege in it. And there's just, there are no, there are no good systems in the U S for maternity leave. I mean, some companies and entities have like really fantastic leave options for their employees, but for the most part, like anyone who's facing this life change is trying to figure this out in in some extent. And these like content creator things are just like a unique circumstance, but part of a larger conversation that we're not going to get into today, but we both really feel passionately about in terms of supporting new parents with actual policy changes. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously so much missing in the way that we as a country for the most part tackle all of this, or maybe it's better to say don't tackle all of this. And like you said, I don't think that there's anybody really that I'm aware of who is finding it easy to make these decisions or to navigate this change. And I want to echo what you said, like, this is certainly not the most challenging position to be in. There's so much privilege in, in being able to be flexible enough to make these choices and having a partner who gets to have a paid parental leave. And that's a huge privilege. So there's, there's obviously like pluses and minuses in every arrangement, but I think what is sort of not talked about when you operate in a space like ours is that there are literally zero systems in place. There aren't even bad systems. So all the perks that I think people see in working for yourself and freelancing having the flexibility to make your own hours and do in theory, like what you want to do and what you're passionate about, you do end up sort of paying for that when you are about to just not be able to work for any period of time. Yeah. And the math that I think we're always 
doing too, in terms of like, like you said, all of the moving pieces, like how much income am I making from my Substack versus my Patreon versus occasional like paid posts or ads or things like that? What does that all equal out to compared to what is childcare cost and how am I going to, it's just, it's really, it's, it's really complicated. So I, I will start by saying that the biggest thing that I did and that Chelsea and I did together when we took our, cause Chelsea and I had babies within days of each other. <laughs> I remember that. I yeah. remember being so excited when yeah. your announcements came out around the same period of time. And I was like, wow, this is going to work out really well for the podcast. <laughs> it did. It did. And so both of our kids just turned two and I have to credit Chelsea for this because I was like, let's just suspend our Patreon because you can do that. You can put a pause on your Patreon and not charge people. And Chelsea was like, I think we should give people the option to stay and support us while we're on our maternity leave. And we did. And we told people, you know, like, it is totally fine. We're not going to be putting out content for the next three months. It is completely fine if you want to leave and return to us when we start putting out content. But this is, you know, this is what we're doing. We're trying to take this leave and come back. And most of our patrons stuck around and that was huge. I, th I think it obviously was huge financially, but it was also huge, I think, for morale because yeah. like we needed something to come back to and feel excited about coming back to and seeing people stick around for us was so, so important. Did the same thing with my Fiction Matters Patreon book club. And there I had some fantastic help from one of my very active patrons who was like, I can launch Zooms because I very naively was like, you know, I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to do much, but I can like sit in front of a computer screen for an hour once a week. <laughs> no. <laughs> that in fact was probably the last thing you want to do. Yeah. 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 And like, I was just like, I didn't know anything. I was like, I know babies don't sleep well, but like they do like sleep sometimes or like someone else, but like my baby just like needed to be held by me all the time. Mm. And so I just like, couldn't like just log on to a zoom whenever. And so that was, that was super, super, super important too. So you work for yourself and by yourself. So you have kind of a different mode of operating. So none of these is going to necessarily be like one-to-one, -one, like this is exactly the playbook, but these are the things to think about is like, are there things that maybe somebody would be excited to take over mm -hmm. um, and help you out? And this is somebody that I bought bookshop.org gift cards for, for like many yeah. months and then actually ended up like, now she's part of my, my one like Fiction Matters team member who helps me with like probably like eight hours of work a month or so. That's great. Which is hugely helpful. So yeah, if if there's any, anything like that, like if your SSR book club wants to keep running and someone can step in like to kind of maintain those things, it's great. But you also, of course, have to balance that with like, are you actually going to be able to offload that mentally? Right. Or are you going to be like then thinking about it and that's going to be causing you stress because then that's not not worth it. Yes, absolutely. These are all very important questions. Did you have like a hard date in mind, either for the podcast or for other things where you were like, this is when I'm coming back? Did you assume it was going to be a solid three months? Because I think right now that's something that I'm 
trying to wrap my head around and something that will probably be of interest to SSR listeners because I've been very vague about like, I'll be coming back in 2024. And it's tricky because as as you know, and our podcasts are a little bit different in that I have a different guest on every week. And so the booking process is a little bit more extensive. So I'll need to create some lead time before I can actually like prep for new episodes, record episodes, and then drop them. So I think I'm like trying to math it out in my head and like back out when I might like to come back. And three months seems to be the standard maternity leave ballpark. But like, in order for me to come back after three months, I would probably have to jump back in after a month and a half. So I think I'm just trying to like figure out if I should decide on a sort of a goal period to come back. I haven't quite figured out childcare yet. I have some ideas, but I'm trying to balance like being open to how I'm going to feel after I have this baby and also making sure that I'm creating a structure for myself that I know will feel good because I am going to miss doing this. It's an important part of my life. And I am a fundamentally like, like I enjoy working. And so I don't want to, I don't want to wake up one day in like February or March and be like, I haven't figured out how to set this up. So I'm curious, like, did you have an idea in mind of how you were going to ease back in? With novel pairings, we did. So both of our due dates were the beginning of October. So we were like, okay, coming back in the new year is about three months, but we did have to start prior to that. And that was really hard. We came up with like a kind of alternate format. So we read one long, we read middle March, we read one long book with our patrons and we were more active in our Patreon community and then did like a main feed episode, I think not until like February or something like that. Okay. So, you know, that could be something too, that you think about is like, like an alternate mode or trial run of things. Like maybe it's every other week that you're hosting, or maybe you find a co-host for like, you know, a few weeks that you don't have to worry about the back and forth of finding guests, because I know that is really challenging. Maybe you do like a little, now I'm just like in idea mode. (laughs) Please just tell me what to do. I like need all of the help I can get. (laughs) Maybe you do like a little series, like where with one co-host you read either like, you know, a different book from different like time periods or one author, like you actually read like a, Mm. like a series arc in this from a popular middle grade series or something like that. Oh, fun. And that would just kind of take out some of, because it really, to me, it really, it was the, all of the housekeeping and like tiny little details that you have to remember and putting something together like this, that was hard. It wasn't, it was harder to read a book and talk about it on a podcast than it was prior to having a baby, but that was fun. That was like, I was really craving doing that. Right. But answering emails, doing all of the like behind the scenes, Patreon stuff like that part was really challenging. So if maybe there are some of those smaller things that you could eliminate, then you could more easily plan a return, the triumphant return. The return of SSR. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like if you had an idea of like a guest who would want to do a short run with you coming back, if you had that soon, then you could like have more of an idea about when you wanted to, to do it. 
that's a great idea. And I think it also would give me some control over the book selection, because the tricky thing about the show is that sometimes a guest will pick a book that's like 80 pages long. Mm. And then sometimes a guest will pick a book that's 500 pages long. And there's obviously a huge difference, not only in the time it takes to read the book, but then in the time it takes to make notes in the margins, to go through all of those notes in the margins. And typically like the longer the book, the more critical analysis is out there about it. So it's, it would be interesting to think about maybe choosing a book series that has a standard page count that would be manageable for me that maybe would all draw from some similar primary sources online or similar like essays. That's something to think about. I like that idea a lot. I'm going to, I'm going to noodle on that. As they say, my husband was sort of joking about like, how funny would it be if we did a bunch of episodes where we just talk about baby books, Yeah, which is cute in theory, but like Matt is not going to come on the podcast four or five times as much as he says that he would, (laughs) he wouldn't. And I love him so much. He's the best, but I don't know. I just like, don't know that that's the space where he's going to shine. Well, and you might need him to be holding the baby while you podcast. So (laughs) right, that might be a better use of his time and of his many talents. I know there's also been conversation about how maybe you go to like every other week because right now my show comes out once a week. And And that's a lot. It is a lot. But I think you and I had also talked about this. Like there's so much advice out there to content creators. And I don't know how much of it is quote accurate versus not, but there's so much out there where it's like, once you get your audience into a certain sort of like expectation cycle of what they think is coming, then it's really easy to lose them once you break that. And I'm already feeling so nervous about losing my audience being on maternity leave because you know this like when you work so hard to create something on your own and you don't know what's going to happen to it because you have to go deal with your life it's really scary and so there's a part of me that's like if I'm going to come back when I come back I just sort of want to figure out how to return to normal programming so maybe it is about like batch recording with a single guest or a single co-host and doing that for a couple of months just until I'm into a groove. I really like that idea. Yeah, I I think it is hard and I think it is smart to be sort of also diversifying your platforms with the, obviously you have the podcast, your Instagram and your Substack and your blog, which maybe your blog will kind of migrate a little bit into your Substack as you do more there. I I think you'll, you'll figure out as you go, how much book content you want to do in your, in your Substack. But for me, it was Instagram that totally like my, I, I think I lost like literally like 8,000 Instagram followers. Really? I was going to ask you because I can't remember how mm-hmm. much you were showing up on social media yeah. right after yeah. you had your baby. And my engagement is nothing like it was before. Wow. And I'm okay with that. I, I mean, it like now it's been like two years of that. So I've had to be okay with it. But I just kind of had to start thinking of like, okay, now like Instagram is not my main priority. It is now basically advertising for my other things. Like, and also Instagram never made me any money. That's a myth. Unless you're like Charlie D'Amelio, like you're not making money off of Instagram. As far as I know, I don't know anybody who's making real money off of Instagram. And I mean, that I think is, is okay. I mean, I, I've been like slightly annoyed by some, some people migrating over to Substack and saying, 
like influencers in like the fashion and beauty world and saying like, I'm not going to charge for my sub stack because I think it's better to make money from brands. And it's like, okay, well, like you can do that because you have like these huge brands. It's not like tiny publishing houses with very thin margins who you're kind of working with and supporting. But also I think that there's like this, now I'm just, this is totally unrelated to what we're talking about today, Allie, but <laughs> now I'm just like, I'm so but I mean, I'm so, I'm here for it. I love to talk about this stuff. So please tell us. I mean, I just think that there's this like people don't want to, in many senses, pay for content that they could get for free. But right. what I often think of is that line, like, if you're not paying for a product, you are the product. So if you're consuming something that like you're not paying for, like your eyes, your attention is what is being bought and sold through like this attention, social media economy. But like when you are actually paying for something like you're not being sold, <laughs> you know? And so I I think that it really, of course, depends on both the consumer and the creator, like, and the industry that they're in, who's doing the paying for the work. But, you know, I think like, if if you're not paying for somebody's work, just remember, like, somebody's paying, somebody's paying for it. Right. And like, where do you fall in that equation? I love that. And I think this is where I go off on my slightly unrelated tangent, which is like this growing culture of celebrity driven book clubs that make absolutely no sense to me. And I get so frustrated. Again, I think this is something else we've talked about sort of offline is I see all of these like reality stars mostly, and I love reality TV. So like, that's not what it's about, but I see these people sort of jumping on the bandwagon of, oh, I see people read. So I'm going to now start a book club and I will post pictures of myself reading a Colleen Hoover book. And I will invite people to sort of read this book with me and maybe I'll record a podcast episode about it. And this will, we'll call it the book club. I'm trying not to name names here. I have a feeling people know who I'm talking about. And I used to be a big fan of her. So I'm struggling with this uh, development in her career. But I think as somebody who has worked so hard to develop a book club on Patreon from like a really organic grassroots sort of following, it is hard to watch somebody who then has already like millions of followers launch a book club for free and talk about how it's free. But like you said, nothing's free because if you listen to this person's podcast or if you watch this person's Instagram stories, everything is sponsored and none of it has anything to do with books. And the books that are discussed in the book club tend to be books that you're already seeing on end caps at Target and books that are written by white women and books that are already on the New York Times bestseller list. So it's like, it's so frustrating because I think it is, it used to be a little bit easier for communities of our size and your community is bigger than mine to grow. Um, and it's only getting harder. And that is so frustrating. And then looking into a period of time when I know that I'm going to have less bandwidth to hustle, to grow and to share my work and to invite more people into my community, which is ultimately what it's about. It is scary because I don't want to lose what I've built and I want to continue to grow. And it's just, it's difficult when these existing brands are encroaching on that space. And I think you're right. Like diversifying is really important. I've had a great experience with Patreon and I feel excited about the relationships that I've made in my Patreon community. And I know that a lot of those people are going to stick around and continue to be supportive during my maternity leave. I am going by the Chelsea logic and I'm not planning to 
shut my Patreon down. I'm also going to, of course, be very open, not like people are welcome to stop supporting for any period of time. Right now, the way I'm thinking about my Patreon during maternity leave is that like the first month it will be dead. Like there will be nothing and people will have to be fine with that. I think after that, I'm lucky because like you said, I have a few people who have already volunteered to run the monthly book clubs. So I think I'm going to start organizing that in the next couple of weeks, like letting those people know that they're welcome to pick a month and to lead the book club while I'm out. And I'm hopeful that I'll be feeling that doing some of the other Patreon perks will be like a nice sort of release for me. Like I do monthly newsletter, I do bonus episodes that are much lower commitment than standard SSR episodes. I do reading recap videos. Like I'm hoping that it will feel good to sort of dip my toe back in the water after I've been completely quiet online for a month. But the book club, I think I'll have to sort of transition back into. So I feel like Patreon is a good place to sort of like continue to cultivate a community, but you never know if people are going to leave Patreon. And I've been pretty open on my Instagram about how this is actually a really important time for people who aren't supporting the podcast on Patreon to become patrons, which is so counterintuitive because I'm openly talking about how I will probably be a little bit quieter on Patreon while I'm on maternity leave, but yet like, please come on over and support the podcast, even though there won't be any new episodes. And for at least a month, you won't be hearing from me at all. Like it feels so weird, but it does feel at the same time, like very important part of the equation, because without that support, it it just doesn't make sense for me to come back. And that's a hard thing to say. And it's a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard thing for me to even think about personally, but I don't know. It's just, and that's why it's frustrating to see these like bigger brands and bigger faces just sort of like willy nilly, like slap these things together, um, knowing that no matter what they do, they're probably going to make thousands of dollars off Amazon affiliate links of like a Colleen Hoover book because they now have a book club. Yeah. And like, I, I, I think probably people don't know, like I make like nothing from affiliate links and I have a pretty big sizable following. Yeah, you do. I I mean, you know, it maybe like pays for some of my books. <laughs> right. Same. Yeah. That's just not, not the same thing at all as if you're talking about, you know, beauty products or whatever, or if you just have like thousands and mil, you know, thousands of people buying your book. Like, I think it's so cool when like 20 people buy a book I recommend, you know? Like that's huge. Oh, I know. Well, it's hard too, because <laughs> at the same time, like I want to be supporting libraries and yes. I'm aware that not everybody who is interested in reading a book that I've recommended is going to click my bookshop.org link, by the way, buy books on bookshop.org, not Amazon, if you can, everyone. It's the best. Um, It is the best. I also recognize like people might just get it from the library and why wouldn't they? Like, so it's, it's a very hard balance. And I do think that it's, it's been an interesting time for me to like step back and reflect on the structure of the content creation that I do on the like book centric work that I do, because when you're about to drop out of it for three months, you realize just how much work goes into it. Yes. And how much time, like so much time. I mean, like thinking about an, an episode. So, I mean, there are, there are basically right. Like two types of book podcasts and I love them both. This is not disparaging, but the amount of time that it goes into talking about books that you already, that you're reading is so much less than the amount of time it takes to put together an episode where you're deep diving 
a book. That you wouldn't necessarily have read at that time. Exactly. And, you know, because like you, you just, you mentioned already the annotating and the margin notes and then doing the extra research to find out what are, what are other people saying about this book? How can I bring that to the podcast and what new do I have? What new things do I have to say about this are really important parts of putting together an episode like that for you. I think, I mean, it's even more so because you are talking to a guest each time. So all of the burden falls on you in terms of like doing that research, like Chelsea and I can split that. We know that we're both going to be doing that same level of prep. You kind of have to over-prepare, I imagine, just in case the guest under-prepared or just because your expectation of a guest is not that they're going to read five articles about the book in addition to to the book. And so it's it's a lot, a lot of work. And even talking about and editing those kinds of episodes is much harder than like when Chelsea and I just do like a book recommendations episode. That's just like, it's back and forth. It's super easy. Like one person talks and the other person talks and you have a rhythm for it. When it's a hopefully thoughtful, in-depth conversation, there might be tangents that you end up wanting to cut from the episode, but then how do you stitch together like what you left off on from the new piece? Like it's really, it's really a lot more complicated. It's very complicated. I would say when I factor in the reading, sorry if people can hear the leaf blower (laughs) going in the background, it is officially fall here in Pennsylvania. I would say on average, it's like eight hours an episode for me. And I think it's beautiful that we live in a time of free content. I consume a lot of free content. I will not pretend to otherwise, but I also, while we're sort of having this conversation about like the state of our, businesses and like what it looks like for me as I head into this transitional phase, it doesn't take people any less time to make free content than it does for them to make paid content. And I know that you and I like both take so much pride in the work that we do. And so as I like look ahead and I like do the math, I'm like, oh, I, it is amazing how much time goes into each of these episodes. And there's a part of me that's like, it is going to feel really good to have a couple of months off from that. But also it makes me reflect on all the hours that have gone in previously. And it makes me rethink how I want to make the most of my time going forward. Because also like I'm about to have a baby and I anticipate that I'm going to want to spend lots of time with that baby and a lot of time with my family. And so it's just like definitely a moment of reckoning. And I am so grateful for my community that has supported me since I started this podcast from literally nothing in 2018 Um, and continues to support me. And SSR has grown so much and it's just like surpassed all of my wildest dreams and expectations. And I want to keep it that way. And it feels so icky to have to like talk about it in these terms, but this is the reality. And again, I'm, I'm just so happy that there are other people who have been in this position like you or who are in this position who are willing to have these open conversations because we all put a lot of work into what we do. And we all also are trying to juggle a lot of things behind the scenes to make them work just like anybody else. And so uh, it is, uh, it's an interesting position that we have found ourselves in that comes with a lot of privileges, but also a lot of very weird logic to work out. A lot of very weird logic. And some of it is even like internal. Like I, you know, sometimes think about like, are people judging me for like doing this, like, podcasting thing instead of like just taking care of my baby when like the math is kind of like squishy (laughs) and I don't think people are but like 
you think about these things. And so, yeah, it really is. It's, it's a lot to, to consider. I think, you know, the other thing that my like other piece of kind of advice for you, or just like reminder to you is that like, I really hope that SSR will come back and be in my podcast player next year when you're ready and all of that. But, you know, you have built a wonderful community and you can maintain that community even if the like public facing piece isn't as prominent, you know, it's such a great like book club and just the kind of home for, for readers. And I think your supporters there will, will be happy to be part of your reading life, whatever that looks like going forward. But also like, just going to say to people listening, like, if you're thinking about that math of like eight hours (laughs) per episode, like, (laughs) you know, what is, and maybe you, maybe you listen to all four a month or even just one a month, like, what is $5 a month for that? Like, it's, it's such a good deal. (laughs) I think it is. I like to think so. And I do put out a lot of content Mm -hmm. on Patreon, like a lot of content on Patreon, even at the $1 level, people get exclusive Q and A's with guests every week. So I think the math is really generous, especially because even if you, if you were to join Patreon now, like you get access to everything that's come before, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of like you get a better deal on Patreon, like the later (laughs) Yeah. join, but, but join now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's also a good way, like you were saying that it's kind of a weird time to ask people to join, but it's also the perfect time to ask because you're going to be off the air for at least a few months. And so right. joining Patreon means getting to go back and, and listen to all of the bonus episodes. So you get to keep listening even as the show takes a break. So it really is the perfect time. And the people are just great. I'm sure you found this with your Fiction Matters and Novel Pairings Patreons, like just to see who is willing to support and jump in. Like my Patreon is full of such wonderful people and they're all on a Discord. And so that will go on whether or not I am busy or not. And I'm sure I will miss the constant Discord chatter while I am having sleepless nights. So yeah, in general, like, of course, this is sort of, we've found our way to talking about SSR's Patreon and just the value that goes into this kind of content. But in general, like, I think this is a great call for everybody to be thoughtful about like the way they consume content. And it's not to make anybody feel guilty for consuming free content because we all do it. But just remembering that it doesn't come from nothing and appreciating creators, even if it's just sending them a note and saying, I appreciate your time. I'm not in a position to pay for any additional content, but like, I really love the work you do. And this is why. And I told this person about you, like, if you haven't done that, if you haven't taken an extra step to support a content creator, it might be a good day to do it. Go support novel pairings, go support fiction matters as well. We all are just lucky to have each other uh, supporting this weird little corner of the internet that we occupy and love so much. My last question for you, Sarah, uh, advice wise would be, how am I going to maintain my reading life? Like separate from Patreon, separate from podcasting, all of these things. Like, I'm so afraid that I am not going to be able to read with this baby. Well, it's really, it is challenging. (laughs) And (laughs) my first piece of advice is, do you have AirPods? I do. Okay. Do you have the AirPods Pro, the ones with the noise canceling? I do. 
Okay, good. Cause I was gonna say, if not put those on your registry, because those are huge, <laughs> Great. a lot of like middle of the night. And I still like when I do bedtime with Louise and I'm like lying with her, she still needs, she's still, she's two and she still needs support to fall asleep. And I do not need sleep advice. Anyone who's listening to this. Thank you. I'll still like put my <laughs> AirPods in and listen to something. Cause it helps like keep me calm. And what they say is if you're calm, it helps your child be calm which might be a myth, but we'll take the myths that make us feel better. Yeah, exactly. So I, I do a lot of audiobooks. I also read a lot on, on my Kindle yeah. and like, I think the term habit stacking, I think has been used in a lot of different ways, but like, if you can pair something that feels like hard or is just like a new addition to your life with something you enjoy, it makes it so much better. So like if hopefully this is not the case for you, but if you have a child who a newborn who will like only nap on you, then just like, okay, well, that's my reading time. Like I'll just sit here and read my mm -hmm. Kindle or listen to my audiobook and just like think of it as my reading time instead of like I'm trapped here kind of thing. Yeah. Nap trapped. So that's huge. I'd say like be very open to like what kinds of books you're feeling in the moment. Like I was surprised that it wasn't necessarily like dark or heavy books that I couldn't read in the early stages, but like anything about like a person experiencing loneliness was so triggering mm -hmm. for me. I just couldn't read those kinds of things. So I read like, you know, I did some rereads. Maybe that that could be a good thing to do is think about books you might want to reread. And also like, I think being okay with it not being like a huge reading season is is part of it. But I think for for me, it did feel important to start reading pretty soon after just to feel like myself again. But if that's not what you're craving, like that's also okay. Yeah. I've been keeping a list in my phone of books that I want to like save for that time. Um, just because I, I feel like they could be the right fit. Like I haven't read A Court of Thorns and Roses and I oh, feel like that, that's yeah. like perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, I can get into that whole series Yes, and just hopefully breeze through it. We did um, do a Kindle switch in my house soon after I found out that I was pregnant. My husband took my old Kindle and he was nice enough to buy me a new Kindle so that I'll have that to look forward to because I generally am not a Kindle reader unless we're traveling. Me neither. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I understand that the reality is that I will be doing a lot of like one-handed late night reading. I'm trying to set myself up for success. And I also like, I am grateful in moments like this, that my primary hobby and like outlet for relaxation is something that I can do laying down at home. Like, it's not as though I'm going to be missing, like, I don't know, going out and like playing right, kickball right. or like even, you know, playing video games that are loud. Like this is hopefully something that I will be able to work into my new routine somewhat naturally, but any and all tips are much appreciated. And I am grateful for your advice about reading and all the things. Well, this was really, really fun. And I, yeah, it's, it'll be, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for your business, but I'm excited for your personal life. And it is a wild change, but a really magical one too. I mean, it's all the things. So I think however you navigate through it is the right way for you. There's no formula, obviously, but hopefully you can just maintain like your sense of business self and personal self and figure out what feels right for, for you. And hopefully you have the support 
that you need on all fronts to be able to come back and keep doing the things that you love. Yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. This was so fun.